Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. They brought you home In a blue and white blanket And I looked over At a perfect tiny baby And for the first time I was bigger than someone Cause I wasn't even to myself And mama said it's time for bed And I said you go to bed And I'll take care of the baby Of the baby You go to bed And I'll take care of the baby Of the baby And when it rained We take off our shoes And go outside And we Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was I'll Take Care of the Baby by Elena Stacy. How are you doing, Carl and Greg? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 
a new year. You know, again, I don't know, man. What does that even mean? <laughs> right? It's just the start of another 12 months. No, it's not. Based on what? Based on some some calendar that some Romans made up a thousand years? Nothing changes. It's just another day. I, had a, I, I saw this interesting little uh, meme uh, last week on Prince where Prince was talking about how he didn't celebrate his birthdays. He said, because you have one. You don't have... 30 or 40 or 50. He's right. You have, he, one. You have one birthday. Exactly. Yeah. It, well, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm not like an astrologist or an astronomer guy. Yep. So I don't know. Do we? I don't know. I'm exactly. We've exactly spun around the sun that, that one rotation. I don't know that I'm at the exact place yeah, I was a year exactly. ago. Well, time is. Uh, it's kind of imaginary anyway. Yeah, to, well, don't get me involved in that now. Yeah, well, I, I, that's how, that's what I believe. I believe we created it as a construct, and then it makes us miserable for 50 or 60 years. You know, We don't know anything. We don't <laughs> we know don't. anything, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing. Not only do we have nothing to say, we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes this podcast great. We don't know no, what to the say, prob- we the don't problem know anything. Is- the problem is, we have a lot to say, but we don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, we, we talk a lot about not knowing what the hell we're talking about. Um, so that was, well, okay. I, I was so Elena from maybe April, right? That was. Very, very nice track. Very yes, nice track. This is her latest single. And I was going to say in the beginning, but I totally forgot that you may recognize her voice because she's from the duo Maybe April with Elena and Kate. But what I like about that is like I've been wanting her to release like her solo stuff for a very long time and I was very excited to see back in April that she was starting to come out with like her own stuff because she just has such a poignant way of writing and such a beautiful voice I like the drum track believe it or not I mean it's very evocative of like those 70s kind of uh soft rock Russ Kunkel drum tracks that are like really tasty and brushes and a nice big fat kick drum i like the drum drum well if i if i understand correctly she's talking about her sibling correct i believe so it's not about kate having a new baby no 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 no, no it's no, not no, no. that's about, about like siblings when, and playing she, and things like yeah, that I, I related to that too because when i was like around four you know we we had my sister and i yeah and finally someone that's i'm bigger than i get that it's a great line <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Very cool. I remember, I remember when I had my sister, my mother let me hold her. So I'm like four. And I remember this, I don't know why I remember this, but I was pressing her. And they said, don't press her head. You'll go in. It's soft. I couldn't press too hard on her head. <laughs> yeah. All babies have that little soft spot until they're about a year. I forget if it's called like the feudal or fundal or something like that. But like, it, but like, you you mention it to the, the siblings and it's like you're, you're all of a sudden mortified, you know. Yeah, you could kill this little There's a thing. soft spot on this baby. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> exactly. I have a theory about singer-songwriters. That singer-songwriters, because I know for me, they only write melodies the way they sing. There are probably much better melodies to, to songs that I could write, but I don't write them because I don't go there because I can't sing that way. Yeah, no, I... I, I I totally get what you're saying, and and I think I, over the course of working with hundreds of writers through the years, uh, when they would play me their songs, you know, you would typically the people that weren't very good singers, you know, the 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 melodies that they'd written weren't very imaginative, you know, and and you can only suspect that because they can't sing these lines, uh, then that they probably 
couldn't imagine them. But but then if but well, you're yeah, say, well, I'm I'm just thinking that if it were the other way around, um, where you could just imagine all these incredible melodies and yet you couldn't sing them, I don't know that that would preclude you from writing them. So, Well, it, well I think if you're a singer-songwriter, because then I'll just contradict myself, take Burt Bacharach. He can't sing for nothing, but he writes these great melodies. Yeah, so, right, right. so I guess, I think if you're a singer-songwriter for yourself and you're an artist, you write the melodies you can sing. If you're just a writer, maybe then you can branch, you know, go beyond your scope and... You know, write a melody that you know because you know. I you're think not it's gonna... something that I think it's something that writers should be cognizant of. It's like you know, well, maybe just because I can't go there vocally, uh, maybe somebody else could, right? So, but but most artists write for themselves, so I'm not going to write right. a song I can't sing. You right. Know? Right. So, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Again, another it's... theory that I've just disproven and contradicted <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Well, I, but there, but there's a way to do it, right? I mean, so even if you have a limited range vocally, uh, you can write really interesting yeah, you phrases. Go, you, you go into head voice. Write, Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can write interesting things. I don't know. Uh, what do I know? Again, see, ladies and gentlemen, based on no information, yeah. no actual knowledge, data of anything, to back it up. Yeah. No, no data. Who needs data? Data. data. <laughs> Well, where where it becomes uh, tedious is when you fiercely defend a position that has no factual basis whatsoever. We call those opinions. <laughs> anyway, so what are we talking about? Do we, do we know anything about the music business or anything? Well, there was a win over the last few weeks. And Greg, I mean, you probably saw this and Carl did, but they, I guess, finalized or passed the increase for singer-songwriters in terms of like the percentage that they get paid. On Spotify, it's preposterous. No, it's probably the um, the compulsory license. It's what's paid on the mechanical and compulsory license. It's um, it's the know, music I mean, it, or no? Hold on. See what happens when we try to give actual data. I know <laughs> we fail miserably. I mean, I stopped paying attention to all the you know trials and tribulations of of statutory licensing, royalty payments. I stopped paying attention about 20 years ago when you recognize that it's just a ruse. It's just designed to placate certain people and certain players in the creative community. The reality of it is that the gatekeepers are keeping all the money and they're acting as if they're fighting on behalf of the creators to get more and more royalties into their hands and that couldn't be further from the truth so it bores me i'd rather uh work with the kind of organic discovery of um people's music as they're making it that that's much more interesting to me (laughs) you need to I'm going to take that music. I'm going to start my own podcast. I don't need you guys. I love that music. You need us. You do. No, but we need, we need you, Greg. Yeah, as much as you need oh, us, yeah, we need I'm, you. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it. We definitely do. But no, it was the it was basically the Copyright Royalty Board approved um, an increase on mechanical royalties is what it looks like. Right. That, that, that sounds like a monthly python. That, no, yep. The Copyright Royalty Board. <laughs> what the hell 
are these people? Who are yeah. they? <laughs> Jim, Bob, and, uh, they, and I mean, the CRB, they're, they're the ones that sets the rates, you know? So, uh, well, where are these know, guys? In, in, like a, uh, you know, in a basement? In ivory towers. In, in Washington. Ivory towers in New Jersey, you know? Well, can they say, well, now we want it to be $2? Can they do, can they do that? Well, it's set for four years. So in four years, they can come back and look and say, now we can do this. So... The win was the fact that it went into effect January 1st of this year. In reality, what does it really mean? Nothing, really. Okay. <laughs> and the mechanical... Ro- what, what, what's funny about it is it's the mechanical royalty rate. It practically doesn't exist right now. So it's really because not a win. Don't make, people don't make mechanical reproductions of these songs anymore. So what does that mean? Like, So if a guy fixes your car... You got to pay the mechanic <laughs> a royalty? <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's it's like, you know, it was the mechanical <laughs> reproduction. It was like making making records. Right. So, I know, I know. if okay. the label made records and sold records at the Kmart, they paid a royalty for every song that was included on that record. And notice I didn't say vinyl. I was going to ask, so are you talking about yeah. vinyl? Yeah. All right. No, uh, la- latex, vinyl, latex. Any latex. mechanical reproduction. So vinyl, cassette, eight track. CD. They used to actually sell reel to reel as well. Seven and a half ips. Yep. If you were a real bachelor living in a bachelor pad in the late 60s, you had a reel to reel. You think the world knows what, what, what seven and a half IPS means? No. Uh, inches gonna, per second. Right, inches per second. There you go. We at least maybe had someone learn something new today. There you go. It's kind of sad that Barbara Walters died, even though well, she, she died was really on old. New Year's Eve, right? Really? I I think it was. Yeah, she. I think the news came out. It was like de- December thirty first. She died because she was included. In I'll some tell of those you though, reels. but you know, again, like I guess you know, we, we we mellow in age, but she was pretty cutting edge in the beginning. I saw this, um, you know, this clip of her interviewing Trump. Back mm-hmm. like in the eighties, and and he's going well. You know, you know, people have said, and she goes, "No, they haven't." You know, <laughs> like she just anything he said, she just knocked him down. She goes, "Well, they said it's one of the best deals." No, they haven't. They, no one said that. She and she talked to Castro, and she she was like a a real cutting edge chick. You know, for like you know, she was kind of she was kind of antagonistic. But I I recently have read some things about her where. In later years, I mean, people were annoyed by the idea that, you know, she would just, she would ask uh, pointed questions and there would be things in in the media landscape, you know, I t- even if you're a journalist, I think there are some do's and don'ts and there are some lines that aren't supposed to be crossed. And I think she manipulated interviewees to the extent that people didn't really want to speak with her after a period of time because she had a reputation for asking kind of stuff that wasn't supposed to be on the record on the record and that's all about journalism though i mean the whole point is to get them to talk about things that like are not supposed to necessarily be talked about and get them to say things that maybe people want to hear but they haven't necessarily talked about before so i mean i definitely but they're also ethics there there are there are ethics but she was just towing the line i think with that especially with the fact that she did pave the way for female journalists in terms of like what they can do and accomplish within that area because of the time frame she came up in but 
um i don't know i'll always remember her as 20 the 2020 lady i know and also i also i liked it she was like the pre-oscars make them cry person Right, exactly. So that kind of is when the, the when this this kind of subjective, like kind of non journalist you know stuff came in. I, I like that because these like self appointed Hollywood stars who, who, who say, "Well, you can't say this." Well, then shut up. Then who wants to talk to you? Then we want to know. <laughs> it, we, it's not a real interview. Then if there's something that has to be quote unquote off limits, that's why people stayed away from Howard Stern for so long because yep. he, he would he don't care. He would just ask right. you like you know. We, they want to know the real stuff. You know, we, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about that. Who needs some some Jimmy Fallon, you know, Pablum interview where they just like say what you want to say so you could sell your your product? And then they go on to play like some karaoke game or whatnot. Yeah, like you know, I, I want to see like you know Donald Trump cry. That would be great, <laughs> <laughs> right? If she could have pulled that off, that would have, that would have been interesting. Yeah, but. You know, but so no, I, I think she's great. I'm sorry. How about we'll start off the year with our unofficial official, official sponsor, Bongo Java. We'll let everyone know a little bit more information about them, and then we'll listen to Elena Stacy's single tomorrow on the backside of that. This episode is officially, unofficially sponsored by Bongo Java. Bongo Java, the birthplace of the 9420 podcast. While Bongo Java got its start a year earlier than 9420 in 1993, in 1994, Carl and Greg's relationship got started. And in 2020, Carl and Greg visited Bongo Java to create this podcast that you listen to. For more information on Bongo Java, go to bongojava.com.
I've always really liked her voice. I know. It's it's so smooth and like... Well, you, you believe her. It's yeah. very expressive. You believe what she's saying. I just totally get it. I just like it's it, it's evocative of so many things for me and reminds me of when I used to listen to Carol King records back in the 70s, you know. So. But you know what I thought? I just thought something to another Carl. I always think the wrong thing. How can you love someone more? Either you love them or you don't. I don't think love is accumulative. I don't think it's either you love someone or you don't love them. There isn't like degrees of love, I don't think. What I do you think, think so. She said, I'm going to love them more tomorrow. Yeah, so. yeah, how can you love them more tomorrow? If you love them now, you'll love them the same. You just so, love them. I mean, you. I, here's here's what I think. I think regardless of who the person is, you like Carl said, you either love them or you don't. But I think there are certain instances where you do have more love for them, if that makes sense. Like, I know for me, like, I've loved my husband since the day I met him. But... There are instances in our relationship, like on our wedding day, there was a lot more love going on. The day Kenzie was born, the day we purchased, like there are certain instances where you know that you're going to love them just a little bit more than like the baseline love that you have. I know. Well, there are moments where it it seems to- It intensifies. It exudes more. You feel it more, but it's, I don't think there's a degree of like, you didn't love them more. Like like love is ninety. I loved them eighty today. But <laughs> I'm loving him. You know, I only love you about twenty two today. Twenty two percent. I'm gonna use you know? that from now on. Hey Sean, I only love you about twenty two percent today. So How can you make like, me love you fifty tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not like you know, you know, you know the way you're going, buddy. It's going down. I love you like eight percent today. <laughs> I'm not sure I know anything to say about that old love stuff. Well, you you know more than anything. Yeah, you and Maude. I mean, you and Maude, and you got grandkids. Come on. Mm, yeah, but it's it just it it feel it doesn't feel like an act. It's it not an like, act. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm I'm saying it doesn't feel like an action. Well, what do you think you know, is love I'm a like, verb? I'm, a noun? I'm what? what fe- what do you think it is? I, I, I'm not sure what it is. I, like I said, I don't know if I know what to say about it. Is love, love something you give, something you do, you have, something you feel, something you do, something you receive? I think it's all of the above. If I could be, if I, if I could be uh, weird like I typically am, uh, I think love might be an energy. Okay. You know, uh, and, I, and I think that, I don't know, maybe you can. Evoking. And you need some batteries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of on dollar store batteries. Didn't we Didn't we speak to... Um... We did speak with Lena, so she answered our questions of the week. So the first question that we asked her is to tell us a little bit about herself. Hi, my name's Elena. I am so excited to be a part of the 9420 podcast. I am a Nashville singer, songwriter, Americana artist, born and raised in Chicago in a super musical family. I have three brothers. My parents were in a band, I think maybe till I was born. Um, I'm realizing right now as I'm recording this that maybe I was the death of their music career. Uh, so I'm gonna have to ask them about that when I get back to you. No, I'm just kidding. They really instilled a love for music in all of us. And uh, my two older brothers were in a band together. My younger brother is a hip hop dancer, and I'm out here, you know, pursuing this career. I moved to Nashville after high school and formed a band called Maybe April with some friends. I'm still part of that band, and I'm also releasing a solo project now for the first time since high school. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I dropped uh, my first single called Tomorrow 
in November and just recently now dropping my second single, Take Care of the Baby, which you can find streaming everywhere and a really fun music video for Take Care of the Baby coming out soon as well. Um, But yeah, hoping to release my full EP in the spring and lots more to come after that too. Yeah, she does a lot of videos, man. She, She like maybe april and then their videos are good though like there are some videos that are terrible and you you question why but her videos always are are so great what else did we ask uh so we asked her to tell us what music artists have inspired your career so far so many artists have inspired me and and my career um my first i first discovered country music when i was 10 years old out on a trip with my dad out west i think maybe i heard some Tim McGraw and some Rascal Flats, some Brad Paisley, early Brad Paisley. So some of that like late nineties, early, early two thousands country music, um, was kind of my first intro into this world. But, um, then I discovered Casey Chambers was one of my first favorite, favorite artists. She really impacted the way that I write music. Um, of course I love Casey Musgraves. Um, Bruce Springsteen was really big in my house growing up. Tom Waits, who else? InSync <laughs> learned a lot of love for harmonies from InSync, and no doubt, Counting Crows was a favorite. So many artists, but um, really, just I think one of the beautiful things is to be able to take all the music you love and take little bits and pieces from everybody and make it, you know, make your own music based on your favorite parts of others. I used to love Canning Crows. There's that one song, Round Here. I loved yeah, that song, man, the song. first album. Yeah. I think this you is know? also the first time someone has brought up Counting Crows. Right. Yeah. I think it's the first time ever that NSYNC and Tom Waits have been mentioned yeah. in the same <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. Both right. great inspirational yeah. artists. Well, I think, I think yeah. when Timberlake left, I think they, they want to see if they can get Tom Waits to replace him. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think you said, I don't think you said no, man. All right. And, and then we asked our one, our one new, new question. So Greg, unfortunately you have been completely no, over vetoed on this. I'm, but... I'm putting, my, putting myself on mute. <laughs> That's okay. So we asked Elena, what is one service not offered right now in the music industry that indie music artists need? This is such a hard question because I'm sure that whatever I say, the service probably does exist and I just don't know about it. But I think the service does exist, but maybe maybe it needs to be reinvented. Um, one of the hard things about being an indie artist is feeling like you have to do everything yourself, especially things that require skills that you don't necessarily have. And it's always good to learn new skills and and put your whole heart and soul and energy into everything. But for me, one of the things that's been hard is content creation and social media and just kind of trying to put myself out into this world that we live in now in an authentic way, but also that looks good and sounds good and follows the trends and all that kind of stuff. And I know that there are people out there who help with content creation and with social media marketing and and digital marketing, but I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a new way to go about offering that service in a way that feels like you can be a part of it so that you know what's going out there, but also so that you don't feel like you have to spend all your time on it. And like I said, I'm sure that's a service already, but if anyone out there knows of a good one, let me know. 
you know, I think she's right. You know, you know what I just thought too? Yeah, mm-hmm. Very I, honest. I think record labels have just gotten lazy. Back oh, in oh, the oh, day, oh. artists could just be artists and they were managers and labels. The fact that we have to be our own social media, you know, marketing people, and we have to do our own graphic designers and our own. That's ridiculous because labels are just fat and lazy. They just sit around, wait for people to get their own social media following numbers up and doing. They're basically these venture capitalists. They just swoop in when something's already going and take then like, credit for it. And then take credit <laughs> for it, usually ruin it, and then like throw some money at it and see if they can make it stick a little bigger because they have the machine. I think. Why don't they develop acts anymore? They're so, you know, short-sighted, these labels. They're saying the record business is over because they're idiots. They're short-sighted idiots run by accountants and not musicians or artists. And they're shooting themselves in the foot and they're ruining the industry. You know, they're allowing Spotify and iTunes and these companies to dominate. When If they had a little bit of a, you know, some... I don't know. Like a some backbone? Backbone. They'd say, no way, we're not doing this. You know, like, listen, this is like this is like encroaching on our thing, on our artists, but they don't. They just go where the money is. And it bugs me. I, I, ooh, I want to kill somebody. Well, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I do think that it's valid that if I, if I have the turnstile, if I, if I have the audience, uh, then, you know, it... it it's okay for me to say to the artist, okay, here are, all, here are the different ways that you can be in front of my audience. And uh, it's okay for me to control that because I own the damn audience. Well, I'm not, I'm know, not saying, I, I, I agree. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. You know, if you can do yeah. it, fine. But, I'm, I, you, but they're forced to do it. You know, and, and there are a lot of great artists who are probably should be more successful because they're not marketers they're greater artists but no i agree i think I probably agree. i think this is my two cents i'll make a ridiculous pronouncement or i think <laughs> i think anyone who's a great great marketer is probably a lesser artist i, I was think, just gonna I, say that i think great artists you, probably you, aren't good marketers you've seen you, you you've said that before and uh that that certainly be, is is the case as far as my experience is concerned. You know, you would have somebody that would promoted what they did f- to you twenty four seven, and you just didn't get it. You know, and it's like, uh, man, man, I really appreciate the idea that you're doing all this cool stuff. You know, to expose your work, but at the end of the day i don't really enjoy listening to your album mm-hmm. right they have great pictures great videos cool little right. you know memes if and they stuff and if they would put more time into the actual music of that as opposed to the marketing maybe their music would be better well, because they don't have it they don't have it to do that yeah that, that that's a different kind of mindset i'm that's what i'm saying so i don't know so we've we've finished entering the new year I think, it? yeah i think it's time for us to get on out of this episode okay there you go all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T W E N T Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.